I want you to turn in the book of Matthew real quick with me. And we're going to go over, and this is, this is really where we are today, and it's the parable of the sower. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I want us to, it's in, found in Matthew chapter 13. The first few verses here talk in parable. It's the parable that's given out to the people. It doesn't have understanding to it. It's just given. Even the disciples at this moment, without the Holy Spirit's help, because they don't have the Holy Spirit when this is first initially given, they're at a loss. They don't have a clue what's being said. Jesus would walk out and start talking about stuff, and he'd say things, lest the corner of your die and fall on the ground. You know, I mean, I mean, what? I mean, they were confused by what Jesus would say. They were at a loss most of the time, and Jesus would have to explain it. But as we get to the 13th verse, listen to this. Listen to what he says here, the 13th verse. Therefore, they ask him, why do you speak in parables? He said, therefore, I speak to them, I speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing, you shall see, but shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for you see, and your ears for you hear. That word blessed is the word empowered to prosper. Empowered are your eyes. Empowered are your ears. Listen to this. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. and They haven't seen them. And to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. See, God has given us the Holy Spirit to see and to hear. It wasn't just the idea. You understand, the, the, the word of God was standing in front of them. He said, you shall see visions. They saw in the natural that the Messiah was coming. But the ones listening to him right then, and you and I, we, we see. They were looking at what others hoped to look at. They were hearing what others hoped to hear. That's the information God's giving us. That's what he's saying in Acts chapter, you shall see visions. It was vision to them. It became sight of a vision to the disciples and to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this is God, how God reveals things to us is that he impregnates us in our spirit with the understanding of the word of God. He shows us in our spirit the things he wants us to do. He shows us through his word where we're headed. The blessings of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow thereto. That's, that's a vision. That's what he's already said. The blessings of the Lord. I, he, he's El Shaddai. The God that is more than enough. He's El Rapha. He's Elohim. 
All, all that he is, he's revealed to us that he is that to us. It's already written. So no matter what comes, he is already that thing. That's why when he revealed himself to Moses, and, 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 he, and, he, and Moses said, who are you? And, and God said, I am. The indicator there, or the idea was, whatever you need, whatever is there, whatever problem exists, whatever needs to happen, I am. I am. That's why when the next time you, you come up against something, you got to understand he's I am. I, I, I preached last week. I just, I'm going to use Richard and Susan, their little boy. Peyton was with them at work or with Richard. I guess Susan had come by to see him. Peyton was on the floor, grabbed a bottle of, of cleaners off the, off the uh, shelf. And when Peyton grabbed that bottle of cleaner, it busted on the floor and he fell down due to the weight. And when he fell down, his little legs fell into this cleaner. And this is very strong, uh, concentrated cleaner. All of a sudden, his skin began to crack. And he was, he was receiving chemical burns on his body. And I received the phone call that they were, being, they were, they were rushing him to the hospital. And so they, they took him to the hospital. And when they got there, all of, of course, they cleaned him up. And they weren't sure. And, and they advised them to go to the burn center yesterday for this little boy. When I saw him that, that evening, I, we had already prayed, sent people to the hospital. I went by the house to see little Peyton. And I could see that it already started getting better. And I could already see that, here's what I saw. I don't know what it could have been. <laughs> but I know what it ain't. God already prepared see abraham walked up that mountain and before he ever got up there the ram was already that ram didn't get caught didn't get caught in the thicket when he looked over the ram was already in the thicket he just hadn't seen it yet if you don't get that principle you miss a big deal it was already there the sacrifice for your sins was made at the beginning of time your healing was made at the beginning. The plan of God was in place before you and I were a twinkle in mama's eye. God knows what he's doing. It's up to us to see it. I, I just, I, every time I think about him up there, he's raising the sword and about to stab his son. And God, of course, stops him. And the Bible said he looked over and saw the ram. Folks, God didn't provide that ram at that very moment. That ram was already there. The answer was already there. If you don't get that, I just somehow I got to run this into you. Somehow you got to get it. All of a sudden he heard what he hadn't heard. I mean, he'd been up there for a while. They put wood on an altar and he hadn't heard. Bah. How did he miss bah? The thing was in the thicket. He was stirring. You know, it just wasn't laying there still. It was probably trying to get out. He hadn't seen it. Why? Because until his eyes were open, he was blinded to the sacrifice. He was blinded to the, to the provision of God. Folks, the provision of God is there. When God illuminates it, you'll see that it's always been there. 
That's important. Because it should steady your heart. Should steady you. We don't walk in fear. That's why the angel always said, fear not. (laughs) Don't you panic. Don't you get fretful. Don't you get filled with anxiety. You go ahead and trust in the Lord. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never change his mind. Every good gift and every perfect gift, glory to God, comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Don't you get caught up in the doctrine that tells you God does bad stuff. He doesn't do bad stuff. If he's already got it worked out, it's just about us seeing what God has already done. What looks like a faith failure sometimes. Don't you think it is? Don't think it is. Don't don't go there. You don't have to question yourself. The Bible says for sure that all things work together. Maybe it didn't turn out like you had hoped or suspected or or expected. But don't worry about it. Don't you worry about it because it's going to work out. Because all things are going to work together for the good. Well, this ain't so good, Pastor Steve. Don't worry. Don't worry about it because you're going to all of a sudden be standing in it's good. (laughs) Well, I didn't know that could work out. I wasn't sure how that was going to turn out because it sure didn't look so bad. All things. Somebody shout out all. All things work together for the good. That means it ain't ever, that's not good grammar. It is never going to turn out bad. (laughs) It is never going to turn out bad. No, y'all didn't get it. Boy, I wish somebody in here would get what I'm talking about. I wish you could just, it is never going to turn out bad. No, you didn't get it. It is never, (laughs) it is never. This moment might not be so good, but I've got victory because God said this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. It is never going to turn out bad. The worst thing thing that can happen to me is that the devil were to kill me, which he can't, but he does say it can kill and steal and destroy, but he'd send me to heaven. (laughs) Never mind. Y'all didn't get that. I mean, the worst thing, the very worst thing, I mean, the absolute worst thing that can happen to a born again believer is streets of gold. I mean, the very worst thing that can happen to a believer is healed forever. I mean, the very worst thing that can happen to me is a mansion in heaven. I mean, the very worst thing is that Jesus becomes my light. The very worst thing is that I can surround the throne 24 hours a day. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I mean, the worst thing. (laughs) 
worst thing. That's why I don't let nothing phase me. Just for a minute. And then I remember, oh, yeah, there's a ram in the thicket. Oh, wait a minute, Steve. Wait a minute. It's going to be okay because it's going to work together for good. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Wait a minute. But the Lord (laughs) will deliver me out of them all. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I might weep, but joy (laughs) comes in the morning. (laughs) Oh, man, we got to get this. Now, listen to this. He says, therefore, I speak to them in parables. They didn't get it. Now, let me give you the uh, interpretation. Let me give you the understanding. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he that receives the seed by the wayside. It it just went in one ear and out the other. Everybody gets that. There are people that come to church. There are people that hear the word. They never receive it at all, really. It just goes in one ear. And out the other. They just, this is the wayside. There's a second person. He that receives on stony ground, and stony places the same, hears the word, and anon receives it with joy, and yet hath no root in himself, but doeth for a while. But when tribulations and persecutions arise because of the word, and by and by they're offended, he also received among, uh, that's those that heard on stony places. So they got some word. It went in, they got it with joy, but when it came a little tough, when they had to start living it, you know, when you get saved, when I got saved, it seemed like God would just do everything for me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody get saved a little later in life and you just went to God and you said, God, I just need a, I need a moped tomorrow. And God, there was a moped on your front door. You don't know what I'm talking about. It's just like you pray and there it was. Boom. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Did anybody have that experience? It just seemed like nothing would go wrong. It seemed like you just had this hedge about you. Every friend was right. They were all, you were telling everybody about Jesus. And at first they were listening to you and they were just accommodating. You know what I'm talking about? Because I mean, as you, as you stay long saved and you start telling them more than once, then they're like, man, I ain't hanging out with him. <laughs> they're okay with it the first time because you've got a little joy in you and you got a little excitement in you. So the first time they're like, yeah, he'll be done with that in a week. But when you ain't done with it in a week, they're like, I'm done with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you know, when you first got saved, it was like just, I mean, everything, just the, the apples falling off a tree. You could pray and it was there, just like, bam. Then as the time went along, you know, you realize church folk could be your worst enemy. Never mind, I ain't going there. <laughs> you got, you know, because when you first saved, you don't know the real, you, you, you know, you, you're just so excited about what you got. And then all of a sudden some persecution comes. You realize, whoa, this is really a walk. <laughs> some folks just fall out. They fall out. They can't, they can't keep up. They can't keep up. They fall out because they don't want to push through. You got to push through. Then there's another one. Listen to this. Yet hath he had rooted himself to further. He also that hears is among the thorns. He hears the word, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the world, and he becomes... Listen, he becomes unfruitful. He started out fruitful. 
and he becomes unfruitful. The last person we're talking about in this is that there's somebody that is good ground and he becomes fruitful. The only one that actually bears fruit is that that's good ground. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Now let's, let's talk about this person who started out bearing fruit and became unfruitful. He has no fruit because he's unfruitful. The fruit that he had falls by the wayside. The fruit that he had doesn't, doesn't last because, because something came and choked out the word of God in his life. I want to suggest this to you. I, I began to think about different things. I, I, I'll share with you just a thought about Nehemiah and then move on. You know, Nehemiah went and started touring around the city of Jerusalem, around Israel, and realized that the walls had been destroyed. And the Syrians and the, uh, the, the different factions that were around and different tribes would attack Israel. And they liked these walls being torn down because they had control over Israel because the walls were down. Nehemiah walks up to the city and sees this wallless city and, this, and, and something drops in his heart. A vision of God drops in his heart. I encourage you to go and look at what God put in his heart. And when that vision dropped in his heart, he stirred the people to vision so much so that they started joining with him and ran to build this wall. And in 52 days, 52 days, 52 days, they built a wall around the city and a wall of fortification in 52 days. There's a lot in there about this, even this whole idea of the different grounds is listed in here because Sambalat and Tobiah, the enemies, come and try to discourage them from the work and try to pull them down. The resources weren't there. Fear was among the people. They had to, to divide up the resources of the people. And as you look at it, it's just a clear vision of a vision. But something dropped in his heart. It was vision. Vision dropped in his heart. 52 day, days later, he saw visions. And you need to get this because here, here's the thing that I, I, I want to get among you. Anything in your life that is not tied to a vision, you will not be in control of. Let me say that again. Anything in your life not tied to vision, you will not be in control of. It will control itself. If it has no reason, if it has no purpose, vision ties us to others. If you look at this Nehemiah passage, you're going to find that, that the vision that he had tied people together. And because visionless people, you know, not all of us are called to have vision, personal vision. But all of us need vision. Sometimes if we don't have vision ourselves, we need to attach ourselves to someone else's vision. One of the things that I see that, that hinders people so much is because they seem to get the idea that God has only personal relationship and that's it. I think it's more than that. I think God does have personal relationship, but he has interpersonal relationship as well. God did not build the church so that we could be isolated and individuals. He built the church so that we could be individuals who are joined together. There's a joining that comes. He said we're fitly joined together. What is, it, what is it that joins us? What is the purpose? It has to be the vision that God has given. The vision of souls. God's vision. Not going to change. That's his vision. Go into all the world and compel them to come in. God's vision. The vision for finances and resource. Where does it come from? It comes from the word of God. 
bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Why is, why is there a need for you to increase in your life? Why is it that God said, I had not seen and ear has not heard? Why? Because vision that God has given, it means that you are to tie yourself to vision and that the thing God gives you is for the, the purpose of the vision. If you have five cars in a six-car garage, there's a purpose. There has to be a purpose for it. If the purpose is you or the thing, then you don't have vision. I don't know if you just heard what I said. Vision is the foundation of success. If you can see what it is you are supposed to do with what you are given then the thing you are given will not direct you. Maybe I should read this again. Vision is the foundation of success. If you cannot see what it is you are supposed to do with what God gives you or what you are given, then the thing given to you will direct you. I see people, they want to, I mean, the devil baits them with success. This is what he talked about, this ground. He baits them with success. He baits them with ch- uh, tr- running after money. Running the pride of life, the pride the, of wealth, lust of the flesh. He baits them with it. Their ego has to be stimulated because they have no vision. Their vision is them. What they can own. Their vision is what they can look like, what people will see them. I long ago left, whether anybody ever knows Steve McCart's name, I tell you that right now. I long ago left that. I, there was a time, I have to admit, when I was younger, when there was a little bit of ego there, you know, and I, I wanted the church to grow so people would, so I would, you know, look at, look at Steve. And anybody that tells you differently lies. Because that's what the devil baits us with. So we can drive the car and people say, well, we must have, he must have money. What God really wants us to do is when we drive that car, people say, he must know God. He must know the Lord. We want them to desire the Lord in us. The reason we, we, we keep ourselves pure in our workplace when the devil tempts us with lust is because we have a vision that's bigger than us. It matters whether or not my wife sees God in me. My vision's bigger than whether or not I feel good about me. (laughs) I'm preaching real, real good. See, without a vision, the people perish. If you can't attach your vision, some people don't have vision because they can't submit. It is true because they want to be the man. They got to be in charge. And when you confront them with something they don't want to change, they come against you. You'll always come to a point with people where you hit them somewhere that they have, there's a rock and a hard place. And you say to them, I think you should drop this out of your life. Now, God doesn't tell everybody that. He didn't tell every person like he told the rich person. You remember when the rich man came? He doesn't tell everybody the same thing. But when he came, he said, sell all that you have. Give to the poor and follow me. And the Bible says he left wounded and hurt because it was the one thing he wasn't willing to strip himself of. His vision 
He didn't have a vision, didn't understand that God could have made him a, a fisher of men, that he could have been in the word of God, that he could have been a disciple of Christ. Instead, he wanted the accolades of individuals and that people could see him and that, the, that his reference point was himself. I don't know if you get what I'm talking about. His vision was exclusively him. His vision wasn't broader or bigger. He couldn't get past the thing. He couldn't let go of something because he had no vision. We come against that all the time. People that come to a point in their life and all of a sudden it's a stopping place because when God challenges them to give that thing, that's why Abraham went as far as he did because when God said, how important is your son to you? And Abraham said, the vision's bigger. (laughs) Even if he wasn't there to fulfill the sands of the sea, And the stars of the sky. Abraham believed that God. Oh, hallelujah. God, if this is not the one, if you're going to take him, then I know it's for a purpose. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say, but God wasn't going to do that. I just want you to understand the the idea being that he was so connected to the vision God had given him that he trusted that this was part of the vision. (laughs) never mind oh my goodness y'all I am teaching some stuff listen to this listen vision reveals the purpose of God in our lives vision is the revelation of God's purpose without vision you will have achievements without direction this is stuff God's been giving me Without vision, you'll have achievements in your life. You'll achieve things. You'll win awards. You'll have things. But it will have no direction. And without direction, you're going to fall and the word will be choked out in your life. And when that woman comes and tempts you, you better have a vision. (laughs) You got to have a vision for your marriage. You got to have a vision for your children. You got to have a vision for your church. Without vision, achievements will have no definition. You will have possessions without reason. If you don't have your own vision, attach yourself to somebody else's vision. The parable of the sower tells us that if the cares of life and deceitfulness of riches and pride of life are your vision, they will choke out the word of God in your life. You will seek things without the thing having a purpose. That's why Jesus said that no fruit would be born because what is achievement without purpose? Let let me read you a few more things. If you believe it can never happen, it won't. There's so much I want to say. I want to give you just a few more things here. I want to read something I had that I thought was really good. Life should be filled with happiness. But that is only possible when life is filled with purpose. 
Life should be filled with happiness. But it's only possible when it's filled with purpose. And purpose is only possible when it's filled with vision. Somebody said, well, I'm not happy in my marriage. You don't understand, I'm not happy in my marriage. My marriage lacks happiness. It's because you don't have any purpose. You don't have any purpose in your marriage. For a man to walk in and say, I'm not happy, it's because he has no purpose in his marriage. What is the purpose? What is the vision for your marriage? Have you as a man or a woman, have, especially men, listen to me, men. This isn't a men's prayer meeting, but let me say this. Men, listen to me. You are responsible for the vision in your house. You have to give your house vision. And by giving it vision, you give it purpose. When your wife can see the purpose. One of the reasons Amy and I have a successful and wonderful marriage. Not perfect. Amy, it's not perfect, right? Almost perfect. <laughs> but she and I have purpose. I don't know how to explain it to you, but when I shared with her vision and told her what God wanted to do with our life and how God wanted to use us, she could jump on to the vision and it gave our marriage purpose. <laughs> Does anybody hear what I'm saying? I got to close because it's time to go and these kids have to go. But listen, I want to share a last story with you. Four o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up. On sometime last week, I don't remember what day it was. I'm laying in bed and I've just preached on vision and vision's been on my heart. I've been hearing about vision, 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 vision. Four o'clock in the morning, bing, I'm wide awake. It's been lately about three or four o'clock in the morning, the Lord wake me up. Not every night, but a lot of nights, just wake me up. I wake up and Sports Center's on and it's... You ever watch that 30 for 30? Anybody ever watch 30 for 30? Okay, I'm a sports guy. Sports center's on. TV's on 30 for 30. And it's the Jim Valvano story. I'm laying there, and he starts telling about his first coaching experience at North Carolina State. Now, I'm going to give you some background for some of you that are not sports enthusiasts. North Carolina State had not won a national championship. They were a good team. They were successful in the ACC, but they were not a winner. They weren't winning championships. And so they had fired their coach and brought this guy in from New Jersey. He left Rutgers University, I think it was, to come to this, to, this, to this town, smaller town. I mean, he'd never been in the South. He was a Jersey guy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you guys are from up north, you all know what I'm talking about. You know, and he's an Italian, you know what I'm saying? And so he comes into North Carolina State University, and he said, he said the first guy he met was Billy Bob Joe or something like that. He said, I was looking for the other two guys, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Anyway, he's, he's talking about, he's, he gets to the campus and, and he's going to do his first practice with the team that he's never met before. And he walks out on this court the first day with a ladder and no basketballs. And the first thing he did is set the ladder up underneath the goal. And he got out a pair of scissors and brought the entire team in and said, we're going to practice cutting down the nets. And so on year one, day one, his first coaching day, he climbs up the ladder and has each of these guys give their speech, prepare a speech, be ready. What are you going to say? How are you going to look? How's your hair going to look? How are you going to, when you get up there, how are you going to act? They didn't dribble the ball. They haven't made a shot. 
They hadn't done anything. All they did was get the first practice. Never did, didn't do anything else. They spent the entire practice time cutting down the net. They put up a new net, cut it down. Put up a new net, cut it down. And he told them at the end of the practice, the reason we did that is I'm preparing you for the day we win the national championship and we cut down the nets. They've never won one. They don't know how to get there. They, they, they thought he was crazy. Every week for three years, on Monday when they went to practice, he brought out a ladder and a pair of scissors. And they climbed up the ladder and they cut down the net. He said it became so much fun that the players were talking about how they thought he was crazy at first, but they really got into it after a few years. <laughs> Finally, in his fourth year, a little-known team with very little chance of winning a national championship, all of a sudden they win the ACC and they cut down the nets. And then they went on, they won their region, they cut down the nets. And in the national championship game against, Fly, against what was it, Phi Slamma Jamma out of uh, Houston with Akeem Olajuwon, the team that nobody could beat, they miraculously win the game and they're standing there four years later and the vision that had been imparted to them, they are now seeing. What they started... <laughs> When we see vision and we have vision, we will see vision. You see, what a principle. I mean, it was a natural man doing a natural thing, but I don't think there's a better way to describe or explain in natural terms what I'm trying to say to you. He put inside of those boys a winning mentality by cutting down those nets every week and said, we're going to do this one day. That's what I do here at Family Worship. I go over there and tear up parking lots and build buildings that are half done. And I mean, I'm doing chairs are changing every week because I'm determined to impart into you in vision that somewhere in the future, people are going to run down the aisle while we're during a song service. That somewhere in the future, we're going to be hanging wheelchairs and crutches on the wall. Listen, I'm putting it into you that even though the enemy may come and he may attack and even though there may be challenges and issues, no, 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 the vision's bigger. The vision is larger. It's farther down the road. You gotta make sure that you don't think the vision is right now. And I wanna attach you to a vision. I gotta get you past where we are right now. No sense bickering about what's happening on the platform now. This ain't nothing compared to where it's going. What are you worried about? Just wait, just wait. Yeah, what you, don't you see? Can't you see that stage in the future? Can't you see what God's going to do in the future? Can't you see what God's going to bring in the future? Can't you see who's going to be standing there in the future? Can't you see what God's going to do with you in the future? How God is going to bring you into a higher place? God's going to transition you from one place. Can't you see? Can't you see it? Can't you see what God wants to do? Oh, hallelujah. Don't let what happened to you be the end. When your marriage is challenged, realize that when you're through it and you've overcome it because God said you would, you're going to have a voice in marriages. You're going to have a word for another person. 
When you go through something, God's got a purpose afterwards. God's going to do something with it. It wasn't him that did it, but God will take that. And you can use that for his glory. Because all things work together for good. Don't look at me right now. Don't look at me where I am right now. Just know where I'm going. Just know where I'm headed. 